Chapter 4 of The Mabinogion from Bullfinch's The Age of Chivalry. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by David Barnes. The Age of Chivalry by Thomas Bullfinch. The Mabinogion. Chapter 4 The Lady of the Fountain. Continued. Gawain's Adventure. It befell that, as Gawain went forth one day with King Arthur, he perceived him to be very sad and sorrowful. And Gawain was much grieved to see Arthur in this state, and he questioned him, saying, O oh my Lord, what has befallen thee? In sooth, Gawain, said Arthur, I am grieving concerning Owain, whom I have lost these three years and I shall certainly die if the fourth year pass without my seeing him. Now I am sure that it is through the tale which Kynon, the son of Clidno, related, that I have lost Owain. There is no need for thee, said Gawain, to summon to arms thy whole dominions on this account, for thou thyself and the men of thy household will be able to avenge Owain if he be slain, or to set him free if he be in prison, and if alive to bring him back with thee. And it was settled according to what Gawain had said. Then Arthur and the men of his household prepared to go and seek Owain, and Kynon, the son of Clidno, acted as their guide. And Arthur came to the castle where Kynon had been before, and when he came there the youths were shooting in the same place, and the yellow man was standing hard by. When the yellow man saw Arthur, he greeted him, and invited him to the castle. And Arthur accepted his invitation, and they entered the castle together. And great as was the number of his retinue, their presence was scarcely observed in the castle, so vast was its extent. And the maidens rose up to wait on them, and the service of the maidens appeared to them all to excel any attendance they had ever met with, and even the pages who had charge of the horses were no worse served that night than Arthur himself would have been in his own palace. The next morning Arthur set out thence with Kynon for his guide, and came to the place where the black man was. And the stature of the black man was more surprising to Arthur than it had been represented to him. And they came to the top of the wooded steep, and traversed the valley, till they reached the green tree, where they saw the fountain, and the bowl, and the slab. And upon that Kay came to Arthur, and spoke to him. My lord, said he, I know the meaning of all this, and my request is that thou wilt permit me to throw the water on the slab, and to receive the first adventure that may befall. And Arthur gave him leave. Then Kay threw a bowlful of water upon the slab, and immediately there came the thunder, and after the thunder the shower, and such a thunderstorm they had never known before. After the shower had ceased, the sky became clear, and on looking at the tree they beheld it completely leafless. Then the birds descended upon the tree, and the song of the birds was far sweeter than any strain they had ever heard before. Then they beheld a knight, 
on a coal-black horse, clothed in black satin, coming rapidly towards them, and Kay met him and encountered him, and it was not long before Kay was overthrown, and the knight withdrew, and Arthur and his host encamped for the night. And when they arose in the morning, they perceived the signal of combat upon the lance of the knight. Then, one by one, all the household of Arthur went forth to combat the knight, until there was not one that was not overthrown by him except Arthur and Gawain. And Arthur armed himself to encounter the knight. "'Oh, my lord,' said Gawain, "'permit me to fight with him first. And Arthur permitted him. And he went forth to meet the knight, having over himself and his horse a satin robe of honour, which had been sent him by the daughter of the Earl of Rangier, and in this dress he was not known by any of the host, and they charged each other, and fought all that day until the evening, and neither of them was able to unhorse the other. And so it was the next day, they broke their lances in the shock, but neither of them could obtain the mastery. On the third day they fought with exceeding strong lances, and they were incensed with rage, and fought furiously, even until noon, and they gave each other such a shock that the girths of their horses were broken, so that they fell over their horses' croppers to the ground, and they rose up speedily, and drew their swords, and resumed the combat, and all they that witnessed their encounter felt assured that they had never before seen two men so valiant or so powerful and had it been midnight it would have been light from the fire that flashed from their weapons. And the knight gave Gawain a blow that turned his helmet from off his face, so that the knight saw that it was Gawain. Then Owain said, My lord Gawain, I did not know thee for my cousin, owing to the robe of honour that enveloped thee. Take my sword and my arms. Said Gawain, Thou, Owain, art the victor, take thou my sword. And with that Arthur saw that they were conversing, and advanced toward them. My lord Arthur, said Gawain, here is Owain who has vanquished me, and will not take my arms. My lord, said Owain, it is he that has vanquished me, and he will not take my sword. Give me your swords, said Arthur, and then neither of you has vanquished the other. Then Owain put his arms around Arthur's neck, and they embraced, and all the host hurried forward to see Owain, and to embrace him, and there was nigh being a loss of life, so great was the press. And they retired that night, and the next day Arthur prepared to depart. My lord, said Owain, this is not well of thee, for I have been absent from thee these three years, and during all that time up to this very day I have been preparing a banquet for thee, knowing that thou wouldst come to seek me. Tarry with me, therefore, until thou and thy attendants have recovered the fatigues of the journey, and have been anointed. And they all proceeded to the castle of the Countess of the Fountain, and the banquet which had been three years preparing was consumed in three months. Never had they a more delicious or agreeable banquet, and Arthur prepared to depart. 
Then he sent an embassy to the countess to beseech her to permit Owain to go with him, for the space of three months, that he might show him to the nobles and the fair dames of the island of Britain. And the countess gave her consent, although it was very painful to her. So Owain came with Arthur to the island of Britain, and when he was once more amongst his kindred and friends, he remained three years instead of three months with them. THE ADVENTURE OF THE LION And as Owain one day sat at meat in the city of Caerleon upon Usk, behold, a damsel entered the hall upon a bay horse with a curling mane and covered with foam, and the bridle and as much as was seen of the saddle were of gold, and the damsel was arrayed in a dress of yellow satin. And she came up to Owain, and took the ring off from his hand. Thus, said she, shall be treated the deceiver, the traitor, the faithless, the disgraced, and the beardless. And she turned her horse's head, and departed. Footnote. The custom of riding into a hall while the lord and his guests sat at meat might be illustrated by numerous passages of ancient romance and history, but a quotation from Chaucer's beautiful and half-told tale, The Camboscan, is sufficient. And so befell that after the Thrida course, while that this king sat thus in his nobly, hiking his minstrels their fingers play, before him at his board deliciously, in at the haller door all suddenly, there came a knicked, upon a stair of brass, and in his horn a broad mirror of glass, upon his thumb he had of gold a ring, and by his side a naked sword hanging, and up he rideth to the higher board, in all the haller nay was there spoke a word, for merrily of this knicked, him to behold full busily they waiten, young and old. End of footnote. Then his adventure came to Owain's remembrance, and he was sorrowful, and having finished eating he went to his own abode, and made preparations that night, and the next day he arose, but did not go to the court, nor did he return to the countess of the fountain, but wandered to the distant parts of the earth, and to uncultivated mountains, and he remained there, until all his apparel was worn out, and his body was wasted away, and his hair was grown long. And he went about with the wild beasts, and fed with them, until they became familiar with him. But at length he became so weak that he could no longer bear them company. Then he descended from the mountains to the valley, and came to a park that was the fairest in the world, and belonged to a charitable lady. One day the lady and her attendants went forth to walk by a lake that was in the middle of the park, and they saw the form of a man lying as if dead, and they were terrified. Nevertheless they went near him and touched him, and they saw that there was life in him. And the lady returned to the castle and took a flask full of precious ointment and gave it to one of her maidens. Go with this, said she, and take with thee yonder horse and clothing, and place them near the man we saw just now, and anoint him with this balsam near his heart, and if there is life in him he will revive through the efficiency of this balsam, 
Then watch what he will do. And the maiden departed from her, and went and poured of the balsam upon Owain, and left the horse and the garments hard by, and went a little way off, and hid herself to watch him. In a short time she saw him begin to move, and he rose up and looked at his person, and became ashamed of the unseemliness of his appearance. Then he perceived the horse and the garments that were near him, and he clothed himself, and with difficulty mounted the horse. Then the damsel discovered herself to him, and saluted him, and he and the maiden proceeded to the castle, and the maiden conducted him to a pleasant chamber, and kindled a fire, and left him. And he stayed at the castle three months, till he was restored to his former guise, and became even more comely than he had ever been before. And Owain rendered signal service to the lady, in a controversy with a powerful neighbour, so that he made ample requital to her for her hospitality, and he took his departure. And as he journeyed, he heard a loud yelling in a wood, and it was repeated a second and a third time. And Owain went towards the spot, and beheld a huge craggy mound in the middle of the wood, and on the side of which was a grey rock, and there was a cleft in the rock, and a serpent was within the cleft, and near the rock stood a black lion, and every time the lion sought to go thence the serpent darted towards him to attack him, and Owain unsheathed his sword and drew near to the rock, and as the serpent sprung out he struck him with his sword and cut him in two, and he dried his sword and went on his way as before. But behold, the lion followed him and played about him as though it had been a greyhound that he had reared. They proceeded thus throughout the day until the evening, and when it was time for Owain to take his rest, he dismounted and turned his horse loose in a flat and wooded meadow. And he struck fire, and when the fire was kindled, the lion brought him fuel enough to last for three nights. And the lion disappeared, and presently the lion returned, bearing a fine large roebuck, and he threw it down before Owain, who went towards the fire with it. And Owain took the roebuck, and skinned it, and placed collops of its meat upon skewers around the fire. The rest of the buck he gave to the lion to devour. While he was so employed, he heard a deep groan near him, and a second, and a third. And the place whence the groans proceeded was a cave in the rock. And Owain went near, and called out to know who it was that groaned so piteously. And a voice answered, I am Luned, the handmaiden of the Countess of the Fountain. And what dost thou hear? said he. I am imprisoned, said she, on account of the knight who came from Arthur's court and married the Countess. And he stayed a short time with her, but he afterwards departed for the court of Arthur, and has not returned since. And two of the Countess's pages traduced him, and called him a deceiver. And because I said I would vouch for it, that he would come before long and maintain his cause against both of them, they imprisoned me in this cave, and said that I should be put to death, unless he came to deliver me by a certain day. And that is no further off than to-morrow, and I have no one to send to seek him for me, 
His name is Owain, the son of Urian. And art thou certain that if that knight knew all this, he would come to thy rescue? I am almost certain of it, said she. When the collops were cooked, Owain divided them into two parts, between himself and the maiden, and then Owain laid himself down to sleep, and never did sentinel keep stricter watch over his lord than the lion that night over Owain. And the next day there came the two pages with a great troop of attendants to take Luned from her cell and put her to death. And Owain asked them what charge they had against her, and they told him of the compact that was between them, as the maiden had done the night before. And, said they, Owain has failed her, therefore we are taking her to be burnt. Truly, said Owain, he is a good knight, and if he knew that the maiden was in such peril, I marvel that he came not to her rescue. But if you will accept me in his stead, I will do battle with you. We will, said the youth. And they attacked Owain, and he was hard beset by them, and with that the lion came to Owain's assistance, and they too got the better of the young men, and they said to him, Chieftain, it was not agreed that we should fight save with thyself alone, and it is harder for us to contend with yonder animal than with thee. And Owain put the lion in the place where Luned had been imprisoned, and blocked up the door with stones, and he went to fight with the young men as before. But Owain had not his usual strength, and the two youths pressed hard upon him, and the lion roared incessantly at seeing Owain in trouble. And he burst through the wall until he found a way out, and rushed upon the young men and instantly slew them. So Luned was saved from being burned. Then Owain returned with Luned to the castle of the Lady of the Fountain, and when he went thence he took the countess with him to Arthur's court, and she was his wife as long as she lived. End of chapter 4